Well, in the 1950s, the town of Centralia, Pennsylvania, was like any other Pennsylvania coal town. It had a diner on Main Street. It had a football team that was the pride of the city and dwindling coal jobs. Well, on May 7, 1962, the Centralia City Council met to discuss the city's upcoming Memorial Day celebrations. Are we ready, they were asking. Someone said they needed to do something about the dump on the edge of town. In fact, there were eight dumps that had become eyesores where people were just dropping trash everywhere. Can't have a parade going through town and you see a bunch of trash, especially the one on the northeast corner of the Odd Fellows Cemetery. Now, years prior, the city had commissioned a legalized landfill in that area, but in the intervening years, people just started throwing trash, just started dropping it off. And they built this landfill right over a 50-foot deep strip mine. The smell was becoming too much. It became an eyesore. So to get ready for Memorial Day, the city sent a crew out to that spot on May 27th to pick up the, the outlying trash. They threw it into the landfill and then set it on fire. Let it burn all day, came back in the evening, and the fire department doused it with water. Now, oddly, after Memorial Day came, two days later, someone called the city and said they saw flames shooting out of the landfill. They were like, that's not possible. We completely doused that area. Sent the fire department back out, doused it with water again, problem solved. The next week, fire started shooting up again. So they brought a bulldozer out to bulldoze all the trash to the side to see what was happening, and they moved the trash and discovered a 15-foot-wide gaping hole that went through the mine shift down into the mine shafts below. Neighbors started complaining about the foul odor coming out of the landfill. Inspectors were brought in that discovered spewing gas coming out of cracks and holes everywhere from the landfill. $30,000 was spent to remedy the problem, then $42,000, then hundreds of thousands of dollars. Over the next 20 years, the city, state, and federal government spent over $7 million trying to put the fire out. Finally, the city was condemned. The state exercised eminent domain, and in 1984, Congress allocated more than $42 million to relocate all of the people from the town. Today, the city of Centralia is a ghost town. The fire is still burning and exceeds 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It covers six square miles underground, and underground it spreads 75 feet every single year, and scientists estimate that the fire could burn, catch this, for 250 years. Now, I think the Centralia Mine is a tragedy, not just because of the warning that it provides for future generations about the long-term impact of irresponsibly handling fossil fuel sources, but also because it serves as a paradigm for the way sin works in our lives. Here's how. If we commit a sin once, there's a chance we'll commit that particular sin for the rest of our lives. Do you agree or disagree with that? 
You do something once, there's a chance you're going to do that for the rest of your lives. Sin has a way of sticking its hooks into an 11-year-old, and then all of a sudden a 61-year-old rolls out of bed doing the exact same thing. That guy who lit the match at the Centralia fire had no clue that that fire would last his lifetime and then eight generations after him. John Ortberg, in his book, The Life You've Always Wanted, he said, I'm disappointed with myself. I'm, dis- I'm disappointed not so much with the particular things I've done as with the aspects of who I've become. I have a nagging sense that all is not as it should be. Some of this disappointment is, disappointment is trivial. I wouldn't have minded getting a more muscular physique. I can't do basic home repairs. So far, I haven't shown much financial wizardry. But some of the disappointment in myself runs deeper. When I look on my children as they sleep at night, I think of the kind of father I want to be. I want to create moments of magic. I look in on them as they sleep at night, and I remember how the day really went. I remember how they were trapped in a fight over checkers, and I walked out of the room because I didn't want to spend the energy needed to teach them how to resolve conflict. I remember how at night I didn't have slow, sweet talks, but merely rushed the children to bed so I can have more time to myself. I am disappointed that I still love God so little and sin so much. I always had the idea as a child that adults were pretty much the people they wanted to be. Yet the truth is, I am embarrassingly sinful. I am capable of dismaying amounts of jealousy if someone succeeds more visibly than I do. I'm disappointed at my capacity to be small and petty. I cannot pray for very long without my mind drifting into a fantasy of angry revenge over some past slight I thought I had long since forgiven or some grandiose fantasy of achievement. How about you? What are you disappointed in in your life? The Apostle Paul when he was trying to, des- to describe the effects of sin, used the imagery of a prison. He said in chapter 7, talking of sin, he said, we know that the law is spiritual, but I'm unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not know what I, want, what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate to do. I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and then making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work in me. Now, there's good and bad news about sin being a prison. What do you want to hear first? You want to hear the good news first or the bad news? Let's take a vote. What do you want to hear? Bad. Why is it that people always want to hear the bad news first? Okay, here it is. Let's do the bad news first. Humanly speaking, it is impossible to stop sinning. Humanly speaking, it is impossible once you sin to stop sinning. Once you've done it, it keeps coming back like the way Kourtney Kardashian's husband keeps trying to get back together with her. Scott, you're a loser and we all know it. That's the bad news. Sorry, I don't watch that show. Humanly speaking, it's just impossible to stop. The good news, Jesus has already led a jailbreak. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says, There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In other words, it's done. The penalty's paid. No condemnation 
Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death forever. When you read Romans chapter 8, I want you to imagine the image of an open prison door where we sit here and we complain about being in prison and Jesus is like, the door's open. Just walk out. We're starting a new series today. Calling it Jailbreak. And this is a series about the prisons that Jesus has already broken us out of, but we keep walking right back into. Reminds me of that line from the Eagle Song Hotel, California. We're all just prisoners here of our own device. And so we're going to look at three common ones. Three common prisons that we walk out of, got busted out, and then we come right back and we sit down. We'll start with the last one first. On June 3rd, we're going to end the series by talking about jailbreaking ourselves from never-ending exhaustion. Next week, we're going to talk about jailbreaking ourselves from the opinion of others. And today, we're going to talk about jailbreaking ourselves from negative self-talk. You usually only hear this topic ever discussed by health and wealth televangelists. They've stolen the subject from us. We're going to steal it back. Turn in your Bibles to James chapter 3. Those of you who are new, if you're like, what's James chapter 3? The Bible, we believe, is a compendium of 66 books, and it's God's express will and purpose for how to make life work, how to relate to him, how to relate to one another, and what's going to happen, both now and in the future. And so what we do in our services is we always take a little bit of time to read it and talk about it, what it means to us and in our lives. And so for those of you who are new, if you haven't done it already, you can get a Bible on your way in, or you can download the our, our app. Go to the App Store or Google Play, type in all one word, CCV Mobile. It'll bring it up. Go to the right tab on the right-hand side that says Bible. Click that, and you can follow along in the passage today. James chapter 3, Jesus' brother is talking about our words and the impact they have. And he says this. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in in God's image. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Do something for me really fast. Lean over um, and... Tell the person next to you the name of someone who was just a constant encourager. It seems that every word out of their mouth is encouragement, and they're building you up. Do that really fast. All right, follow-up question. Follow-up question. How easy was it to come up with that one name? Pretty easy, right? How about if I asked you to quickly list 50 people that do that? You probably couldn't come up with 50 real fast because this is very, very, very hard to do. James says there are two things that ha- two possible things that can happen with our words. Number one is we can praise God and by indirect assumption other people. We can praise people with our words. Praise from that verse in verse 9 is, is a, or from verse 10 is an interesting word. It's a combination of two words, uh, which basically mean good words, eugelia. It's a eugelia. Uh, it's, the com- it's a preposition which means good and then words. That's it. Very simple. I'm going sh- to speak good words. We can praise 
other people with good words, or he uses the phrase cursing, which metaphorically means to push people down. Now, do you recognize within yourself the the ability to either literally within minutes of one another to push someone up with your good words or push them down with your negative words? We all do that. All of you who are big coffee people, you know that there's a major difference between your pre-coffee words, (laughs) you know who you are, and your after-coffee words, your your car pulling in the car down 4 to 22. Jesus help you if you talk to me right now. (laughs) After you get your coffee, isn't this a great day? (laughs) Do this really fast. Lean over to the person next to you. Come on, right now, look at them. Hold up their cheeks in your hand. Look at them and tell them. You was smart. Let me hear it, come on. You was kind. You is important, right? All right, don't you feel better? Don't you feel pushed up by those words? The book of Ephesians, the apostle Paul in another letter gives this instruction. He says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for what? Building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. The problem is, in the same hour, in the same 10 minutes, we can build people up and we can push them down, like this guy who obviously got cheated on by his girlfriend. You is loose. You is stank. You is ratchet. I love that. (laughs) What James, James is arguing, what is he pointing out is we have the ability to either be intentional and mindful of our words and allow, our, allow the Holy Spirit to, to get a hold of our tongue and to be intentional about the words that we let fly out of our mouth, or we can use our words, lean over to the person next to you, you don't have to look at them, introverts, but just put your hand on their shoulder right now. And just push, push their shoulder down just for a little bit. Just push it down. Now hold it there. Just, just to let it be incredibly awkward for a moment. Just hold it there. Just hold it there. That's how it feels. James is like, you have to understand the damage that can be done by the negative use of our words. He's like, Christians, we need to get a hold of this. And he's like, I'm trying to express the damage that can be done and you see his mind turning. His, the wheels are turning. And he's like, I got it. How many of you have ever been camping in the woods and you build a fire and then a little ember goes flying out and it hits some dry leaves and you're like, oh my gosh. And you run over and you start stamping it out because of what? I remember um, in 1998, our family drove to Yellowstone for the first of what has been many trips. We love that area. We love going there. What struck me most was how much the rangers, during the ranger talks, talked about the great 1988 forest fire that torched Yellowstone all over. It consumed whole sections of the park. And they were talking about what they learned and why it's important that there is a forest fire sometimes and because it releases the seeds. Anyway, but this is what I saw. This is the picture of what I saw on the way into the park. And it was odd because I was, uh, as I was driving, I was like, oh my gosh, I've heard my whole life about this place. This place is ugly. But listen, that picture 
reflected 10 years ago, the fire. That was 10, that picture was 10 years later. There are people in the room that words were spoken to you 10 years ago, and you still feel the weight of them. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark, James says. The tongue also is a fire, potentially a world of evil among the parts of body. A world of evil. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself, if it's not under the control of the Holy Spirit, feels like it's set on fire by hell itself. Some of you, have words that keep ringing in your soul. And you know what it's like to be set on fire by a tongue from hell. What James is saying is that relationally, our words have impact for a long, long time. Maya Angelou said, I've learned that people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did. But people will never forget how you made them feel. There's probably a lot of wounded people here today. And James is saying, Christians, we need to stop pushing people down. We need to use our tongue to build people up. Build up God and build up other people. Now, that's not why we're looking at this scripture verse today. We're looking at this scripture verse because I believe James is also saying that God's command to not use our tongues to hurt people also applies to not using it to hurt ourselves. Proverbs 18.21 says, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. And oftentimes, what happens? From the time we get up until the time we go to bed, there are some people that are in this room that in their mind they have a virtual Centralia fire that has been burning for decades that will not go out. Psychologists talk about a feedback loop that continually gets played in our heads. You are ugly, we tell ourselves. You are stupid. You are fat. You are worthless. You are a failure. You are, and then you fill out the blank. I love all the research that's being done by neurologists primarily to help Uh, people that are coming back from battle who are suffering from PTSD, and the research they're doing about neural pathways, the connection between what we think, the way it triggers emotions, and the pathways that are built in our neurological system to make it easier that if you think a thought that carries a negative emotion once, it's much easier the second time to, to think the same thing. And if you keep saying it, to yourself and thinking it over and over again, you create what neurologists call a neural pathway. The secret then, they're teaching us and they're learning that they don't know a lot about it yet, is that you can also interrupt these pathways. You can stop it. A few years ago when I was on a sabbatical, we make it a requirement where we have our staff go and sit down with a therapist. I sat down. I sat down with uh, Dr. Cato, and she asked, why are you here? And I'm like, honestly, I have no idea, because I make my staff do it. 
By the time I was done, she had no idea. She was like, you have no idea how depressed you were. And in the intervening weeks, what happened is she taught me that I had this feedback loop in my head. And she said, Brian, you have to teach yourself to say, stop it, right there. And what you need to do is you need to replace that thought that you're thinking with something else. Now listen, negative pushdowns are terrible. They make us miserable. We have this fire burning in our head that never goes away. But that's not the primary reason we need to stop it. The reason we need to stop it is a pushdown of ourselves is a pushdown of God. And every time you curse yourself, you're indirectly cursing God. Here's why this matters. Verse 9 says, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings that have been made in God's likeness. And last time I checked, we is one of those human beings. Question, how many of you have ever been to an art show at an elementary school? Like, okay, all right. So um, I loved these art shows because um, I was always in the, like, advanced art programs. I'm convinced to this day it was only because the teachers were like, we got to throw Jones a bone, like, because he's not advanced in anything else. The only thing left is art. And so I have a a soft spot for art. But I want you to be honest with me. I'm going to ask you a question, and I need you to be honest, because if you're not honest, what will happen? You'll go to hell. So here's the question. Here's the question. How many of you have ever gone to one of these art shows, and you love it because you're there with your kids or your grandkids, and they're showing you what they did? They, they drew a picture, or they, sometimes they wrote something, or um, they made a sculpture or a painting or something, and you, you walk through the hallways, and you can't find it anywhere, and then, ah, oh, there it is, and you get a picture with them of their painting or their sculpture or whatever, and then their friends are there. How many of you, here's the question, how many of you have gone to one of those art shows, and as you're walking down the hallway, you see something out of the corner of your eye, and you're like, that kid has different gifts. <laughs> you remember, remember a few years ago when that artist put up that life-size statue of Lucille Ball? Do you remember that? Here, let me show you this picture. Here it is, right here. Oh, oh yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That is exactly what I'm talking about, okay? Can you imagine if, you, if they unveil it and you're Lucille Ball and you're there? You're like, ah, what? So what they did, there was so much public ridicule of this thing uh, that they made uh, the artist take it down and they replaced it with this. Okay? See the relief? See what I'm talking about? Okay. You're at the art show. You're walking down the hallway. You're taking pictures of your kids or grandkids' artwork. And you notice out of the corner of your eye that there's a little clay statue that that someone had built. And it was that ugly. And you see it, and what do you do? You start laughing because you're terrible. That's you start laughing, you see that, and you bring your family over and you're making a joke, right? And like you want to take a picture, but you're not gonna take a picture and put it on social media, but you're laughing, and the whole time you're laughing at this this clay statue, you don't realize that directly behind you is the eight-year-old girl that made it. You turn around and see her, and how do you feel? And then she walks up to make things worse and says, this is my statue. It's a statue of me. 
That's how God feels when you put yourself down. God's like, come on, I made you. More, more importantly, forget that. Forget the fact that I made you. You look like me. I made you in my image. You want to know what God looks like? Just look at another human being. Conscious moral thought and awareness about the past, present, and future and about the implications of our lives. God had turned around and created the dirt and dirt lane, put them together and said, I'm going to imprint in you the best of who I am. And then we turn around and we make fun of ourselves. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse ourselves. A put-down of ourselves is a put-down of God. Every time you curse yourself, you are indirectly cursing God. Now, how do we change it? How do we break negative feedback loops? How do we stop hurting God's heart because of the way we talk so unkindly? To ourselves. Can I just pause here and say, this is way more important than just not being miserable anymore. When Satan wanted to stop Jesus, did he show up like some, you know, um, uh, you know, superhero movie and start launching bombs at him? I'm going to blow him up and send missiles and and you know, no, he didn't do that. What did he start doing? He just started messing with his head. You were put on this planet, as it says in Acts chapter 13, verse 36, in this generation with a mission and a purpose. And if Satan can mess with your head and keep that fire stoked inside, it'll keep you from reaching out to people, all your friends and neighbors and family members that are far from God that need to hear about Jesus, and you can't because, quite honestly, you're consumed and miserable. Or being present for the ones that you love the most, being the best possible version of yourself, but you can't because you're trapped. What he does is, I ain't gonna blow you up. I'm just gonna insert some little thoughts in there. And then they'll take a law and a life of their own. Here's what Scripture teaches us over and over again. What the Psalms teach us over and over again. The whole witness of Scripture teaches us over and over again. We need to speak God's thoughts about ourselves to ourselves. You do realize that when God is looking at you right now, no matter how wretched you and I are, He's smiling. He's smiling. And so what I want you to do is I'm going to read some Scripture verses, and what I've done is I've taken these Scripture verses and I've turned them into statements that counteract common statements that we keep saying to ourselves over and over in our heads. You might want to take your phone out and snap a picture. And what I'm going to challenge you to do is to take the things that you keep saying about yourself and I want you to find what God says about you 
that counteracts that, turn it into a statement, and I want you to interrupt those thoughts, and I want you to replace those thoughts with these statements. Here we are. I am ugly. No. I am fearfully and wonderfully made, Psalm 139 says. No one this week should ever keep saying that to themselves. You're not ugly. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are amazing. I am not fearful. I am courageous because God will never leave me. I am not worthless because Jesus came from heaven to die for me. That's how valuable I am. If you were the only person left on the planet that didn't find their way back to God yet, he still would have come. My past does not control me because Jesus has made me a new person. I am not an accident because God has a purpose for my life, something he wants me to do in this generation. I am not stuck because God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, and above all I can ever think or ask or think according to the power working in me. I know that the power working in me is that of God, not the enemy. I will not say terrible things just keep happening to me because God promised that goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And finally, when I say I cannot go on, I will say that the Lord renews my strength. I soar on wings like eagles. I run and not grow weary. I walk and not be faint. Let's pray. God, interrupt our minds. Help us even just to do the exact opposite of our natural instinct at times. Help us to know that even in the hidden places that you are there and that you're leaning over and telling us to be kind, not just to other people, but to ourselves. Not because there's anything in us at all that is good, but because the Father sees you in us. You are well pleased. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to Brian Jones Sermons. For more information and to find similar articles on this topic and more, please go to Brian's website at brianjones.com.